Everybody got your Bible at church today? Go ahead and pull that thing out. You've got one in your seat. If you didn't bring one, it's okay. We uh, came prepared for you, you know? So pull out your phone, pull out your Bible. There will also be words on the screens if you don't want to do any of those things. So that's great. You're going to open up to Matthew chapter 19 for us this morning. And we got a lot to cover this morning. Are you, got, are you down for a little bit of a journey? We're going to go fast. We're in a series right now, we started it a couple weeks ago called Everyday Jesus, really talking about if Jesus is for real, then he ought to have something to say about the way we live our lives every day, not just on Sunday. Because a lot of people think that, you know, at best, God matters on Sunday. But I'm gonna be honest, if God just matters on Sunday, then why does he matter at all? I got six days still in my life to live, right? So if Jesus is for real, then he ought to have something to say about uh, our lives every day. And uh, the first week when we started, a couple weeks ago, we started with two questions that we've got to answer before we start talking about walking with Jesus every day. Number one is, does Jesus even care about my life every day? And we dug into that in the first week. If you want more of that, uh, you go listen to the podcast. We can't rehash all of it. My nose really itches. Sorry. Oh, that was... Did you like that sound? Oh, man. Does Jesus even care about my everyday? And the answer was? Yes. yes. Very simple answer. And the next question is, okay, if he cares about my everyday, why? Why does he care about my everyday? And again, the answer is so simple. But if you really believe it, this will change everything about your life. He cares because he loves you. Are we going to have to do the stand-up thing again? You guys here for that? He's there. He cares because he loves you. Like Jesus for real really loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. He's got a reckless love. He chases you down. There's no shadow he won't light up. There's no mountain he won't climb. I'll save you. Yes, he does. And why? Because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And last week, my dad preached. Was anybody here for that gold? That was awesome. Uh, and he addressed another question that we've got to dig into first before we get into practicals of walking every day with Jesus. Okay, he cares about my every day. He cares because he loves me. But one thing that I think is a kind of an underground question, especially in church that we don't like to talk about, but a lot of times we're asking it is, is he even really available? I mean, like he's God, you know, isn't he way out there? And my dad talked about an interaction that Jesus had with a reject woman at a well who was asking this exact question with her life. And his answer to her question of, are you even like available was, if you only knew, if you only knew that I was available and not only am I available, I'm actually right here. And this is Jesus' answer to you when you wonder, Jesus, are you even available to my life every day? He says, if you only knew. <laughs> If you only knew, not only am I available, but I am right here, right here. Amen, somebody? If you missed last week, my dad preaching, you got to go back and listen to that podcast. It was amazing. So we spent the first two weeks talking about what we've got to believe about Jesus before we practically live out walking with Jesus every day. And having spent the first two weeks there, this week and the next two weeks, we're going to zoom into our lives and get really practical and talk about uh, specific topics that we think about every day. Elements about life that are part of our everyday life. We think about them, we interact with them, all these sorts of things. And again, if Jesus cares, if he loves us, if he's available, then he ought to have something to say about these elements of our everyday life. So this morning, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject to talk about in church, money. That was a little better than I thought it was going to be. Thank you, front row at least. We're talking about money. And when you talk about money in church, there we go. Just green money. Money, 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 money. Somebody say money. money. 
There, you've all said it. Now, I'm not the bad guy. You got to talk about, got to talk about money. And, and most of the times when money comes to church, it's like, oh man, like we were having such a good time. Worship was awesome. And now we're talking about money. Why do we have to talk about money? Well, by a show of hands, honestly, everybody, by a show of hands, who thought about money this week? Great. That's why we're talking about it. We'll stop talking about it as soon as we all stop thinking about it. How about that? So we got to talk about money in church uh, because we think about it all the time. And there might be nothing in our lives that like stresses us out more or that we think about more than money. I mean, it has seems like everything to do with just about everything. And by virtue of the fact that I'm not the only person in this room right now, I know that there's a wide variety of backgrounds uh, when it comes to money, the view of money, the use of money, the possession of money or lack thereof. You grew up around different amounts of money. You grew up around different philosophies about money, how to view it, how to use it. You spent time in your life in different environments where no matter what the actual dollar amount was, you were somewhere on the scale of having the least or having the most. Like you just, you've been in different environments and at different times you landed on different ends of that scale. You've been in different social circles that interacted with money differently. And now each one of you today, right now, this morning, in this moment, find yourself in a certain financial situation. And they're all different. The, the, the checking accounts look different. The, the savings accounts are hopefully there or look different. You know, there's, there's all, everything looks different. We've all got different assets, different liabilities, different wants, different needs, different financial challenges, but we're all thinking about money. Different backgrounds, different situations, but no matter where you're coming from and no matter where you are this morning, you think about money every day. And God is so good that not only does he want to like come and help us with our spiritual lives, he wants to lead us in abundant life every day. And so he talks a lot about money, a lot. Like more than anything else specifically mentioned in the Bible, he talks about money. Probably because we think about it almost more than anything else. God's got a lot to say about money and he wants to help us live practically. Something Jesus said that we talk a lot about around here, and we usually mention it during our give and take time, is that Jesus said this crazy phrase that shines a light on this money thing when he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is gonna be. And Jesus cares about your heart, amen? Yeah. Jesus cares about your heart, amen? Yeah. So if he's gonna get to your heart, we gotta deal with this money issue and help that go well so that he can set us free in our hearts. So as we dig in this morning to talking about money in church, everybody's least favorite subject uh, next to sex, which we're talking about next week. So <laughs> that'll be fun. We can't forget the framework that we, uh, that we talked about in week one about this whole series. So if you weren't here, I'm going to give you a quick re recap. So if you wrote this down, write it down again. If you didn't write it down, write it down for the first time. We've got to have a framework for how we're talking about this. Number one, to follow Jesus every day, to let Jesus influence the way that you use and view your money, number one, you gotta believe Jesus loves you. You've got to believe that Jesus loves you, that everything he said and everything he does is because he loves you. And anything that he says that challenges you or offends you or demands some sort of response in your life, it's not to shame you or ruin you, it's because he loves you. Number one, Jesus loves you. Number two, you gotta believe that Jesus is life, period. Like Jesus is life, not Jesus stuff is life or Jesus activities or, or Jesus plus a few things. Jesus himself, the full caboodle is life. Just he's it. Jesus is life. That nothing he said or did was to restrict you or cheat you or mistreat you. 
But we've got to believe Jesus when he said, everything else in your life is coming to steal from you, kill, from, kill you, and destroy you. But I came so that you can have life and have it abundantly. We've got to believe that Jesus has a better plan for our life than the devil does if we're going to follow Jesus every day. Number three, your life matters. Your life matters. Your life matters now while you're living it, and you've got to believe that the way that you live right now impacts your eternity. It has eternal ramifications, and Jesus is longing to help you live a life now that has rewards forever. This is why we've got to follow him, because he's pointing us in the right direction. So that's the framework for week one. Um, if you thought, man, that's a good three-point sermon, go back and listen to it, because it'll help you. It's helping me every day walk with Jesus. As you turn to Matthew 19, we're going to be in verse 16. Is anybody there? Yes. We're going to read a good story. Matthew 19, 16 through 22, where Jesus has an interaction with a guy, and they discuss money, and I think that there's a lot of gold for us in this interaction. Like what I did there? Gold, money. <laughs> Woo! Worked really hard on that one. Just kidding. We're allowed to have fun in church, right? Make fun of the pastor and stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, where were we? Rich young ruler. Got it. Matthew 19. Great. This is going to be awesome. That's where we were, right? Matthew 19, verse 16. It says this, and behold, a man came up to Jesus saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. I'll answer your question anyways. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And the man says to Jesus, which ones? And Jesus says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man says to Jesus, all these I've kept, what do I still Lack. Everybody say lack. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, say perfect. If you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Anybody heard this story before? Anybody if you grew up in church, you probably heard this before. In this interaction that we read about right here in Matthew chapter 19, there's two characters. There's Jesus and there's this guy. We don't get his name, but the, there's a few things that we do know about this guy in uh, eavesdropping on their conversation. We learn a couple of things about this guy that we don't, even though we don't know his name. Number one, he's a really good person. He's a really good person. Jesus gives him a list of commands to follow and he says, great, I've done all that. That's great. Good for him. So he's a, really, he's a really good person. People probably like him a lot. So he's a good person. And number two, he's a really rich person. At the very end, we learn that he has great possessions. The third thing that we know about this guy is that he's a good person. He's a rich person. But we also know that he knows he's missing something. He knows he's missing something. He starts off the conversation asking about how to get something that apparently he doesn't think that he has. Because you don't ask to get something that you already have, Right? He comes to Jesus already having this lack. I'm missing something. He starts off with the question, what must I do to have eternal life? And in verse 20 again, he says, I've done all these things. I got all this going on, but I still am lacking something. Jesus didn't have to tell him that. He just already knew it. 
Usually several times a week, I am running out the door to get to work. I'm pretty frantic in the morning. Anybody else? Always forgetting something. Always losing something, more like. Heather, where's my... Welcome to my life. Happened this morning. Anyways, running out the door to work. I've got like my backpack. Anybody else use a backpack? Praise God for backpacks. I don't need a briefcase. Come on. I've got my backpack. I got my stuff that I need for the day. Whatever it is, I got it all. I put it in my truck. And then, of course, I can't find my keys, right? I can't find my keys. I have a spot for my keys that they should go every time I come in the door. But do they go there every day? No. Why? It's a great question. (laughs) Heather doesn't know either. So a few times a week, this happens, not every day, but several times a week. I'm ready to go for the day. I've got everything I need, but I don't have my keys. And at that point, when I realize I don't have my keys, all the other stuff that I do have doesn't matter because I don't have the one thing that I need, right? You know that feeling? You ever been there? It's like, I'm ready to go, but I don't have the one thing that's going to get me there. I'm, I, I don't have what I have. And, and, and this is where this guy is in Matthew 19. He's coming to Jesus and this is where he's at in his life with his, with his money and with his good works. He've got, he's got everything, but there's one thing he doesn't have, and he knows I need it. There's still something that I need that I don't have. He's coming to Jesus essentially kind of like searching his pockets, right? Like, okay, digging through his bag, searching his pockets. Like, I've got all this stuff. People like me. Um, I, my marriage is going okay. I haven't cheated on my wife. I'm pretty well respected. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't lied about people. I don't have many enemies. Okay, so I, I, I got all that stuff, and I have a, a, a lot of cash. My investments are solid, but I'm still missing something. I've got it all, but I'm still missing something. He had everything, but he's still missing something. And he's hoping that Jesus can help him out, can help him find this elusive eternal life. And this guy's arrived at a reality in his life here in Matthew 19 that we will all arrive at at some point if we haven't arrived there Already, And this reality that we've got to understand is that you are made for more than just this life. Write that down. You are made for more than just this life. You have a longing inside of you that you may be uh, realizing right now. You may have already dug it up, but it's in there. There's a longing in you to make this life count towards eternal life. Doing all there is to do and having all there is to have in this temporal life is never going to give you what you need for eternal life. You're made for more. He's realizing I've got everything, but I'm made for more. And I don't have it. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, the Bible tells us that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. That you are hardwired for eternal life. And Jesus wants you to live out your eternity, reaping the rewards of your life and the way that you followed him in this temporal life. That's what God's will for your life is. That you live this life walking with him and in such a way, when you spend eternity with him, you get to reap the, the fruit and the rewards of the decisions you made now. In verse 16 through 19, all this sounds really theoretical and out there, but I, I, I'm gonna prove it to you, it's right here. In verse 18 and 19, Jesus gives this guy what he thinks he wants. What does he do? He comes, the guy says, okay, I'm doing a lot of good things. There must be a good thing I'm not doing to get the thing that I don't have. So God, 
Jesus, I guess. Maybe he was recognizing he was God, maybe not. But he says, what good thing do I need to do to have eternal life? And so Jesus gives him what he's asking for, but he knows, Jesus knows it's not really what he actually needs. So Jesus gives him a list of commands. In verse 20, the guy says, great, I've done all that. I've followed all of those. So what am I still missing? And in verse 21, Jesus moves from talking to the guy about what the guy thinks he wants to Jesus talking, about him, talking to him about what he really needs. What he really needs in verse 21 is this. He says, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. This word perfect is interesting, and we don't like that in church because it sounds super legalistic, doesn't it? Like, and impossible. <laughs> You'd be perfect. Okay, so if I want to be perfect, I have to go sell everything. And okay, wow, when we start really focusing on ourselves, when we see this word perfect, because we realize how not perfect we are, right? Like, shoot. I thought Jesus was like all grace. There he says, be perfect. But this word that Jesus actually used, perfect, it, it doesn't maybe mean perfect as in like no blemish or perfect behavior. It's not the word that it means. The, the word perfect is actually, it's talking about being complete. There it is. I had the definition written down, but I couldn't find it. So. It means brought to the end, fully mature, complete, or wanting nothing. So this is the idea of perfect that Jesus is talking about. He's saying, you coming to me wanting something, if you don't want to want anything, get rid of all your stuff. Get rid of all your stuff. Give it away. All the stuff you have that you thought you wanted, that you thought was going to satisfy the want that you had in your wanter, it didn't work. You still want something. So if, what you really, if you want to have what you really want, get rid of what you thought you wanted and give it to the people who need it. <laughs> but then he drops this bomb at the end and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. And Jesus drops this massive kingdom principle right here at the end of this sentence that he says that I think gets lost in the middle of the sentence a lot in our own lives. Here's what I mean. He, he tells him, uh, if we're not careful, we'll miss this. So he, he tells him, go sell everything and give it to the poor. And we get stuck there. <laughs> it's like, well, shoot. Am I supposed to go sell everything and give it to the poor? That sounds scary, and I really don't want to do that. <laughs> Anybody? Like, I'm the, okay, I'm the only one who doesn't want to go do that right now. So good for you guys. You know, but, but we get stuck there and we start thinking like, I don't want to do that. Like, is that, am I really supposed to do that? And when you say all possessions, like what does all mean? Like, what about the stuff that I really need? Or what about like, what if I'm the poor person? Like, I'm, <laughs> hello, maybe somebody else should sell their stuff and give it to me. <laughs> Just being honest. We, we get stuck in there. What, what about all the stuff that we need? But Jesus told us that our heart is where our treasure is. And so in speaking to the man's treasure, he's trying to speak to his heart. We get stuck on the treasure. We get stuck on the treasure, but Jesus is trying to get to his heart and he's trying to lead him to eternal life. The thing that he came actually looking for. And Jesus spells out for us how we ought to view our lives and therefore also our money. He says, if you want to be complete, if you don't want to want anything, if you don't want that hole in your heart, if you want to grow into being the full creation that I've made you to be, being born again, if you want to be fully mature, if you don't want to want anything, use what I give you now to give what you can only have later. Use this moment for your eternity.
Use what I've given you now for what you want later. In other words, use what you can't keep now to get what you can't, use, like, can't lose later. This is the view of how we're supposed to view the world, view our lives, and view our money. My life is this opportunity to use what I can't keep anyways to get something that I will never lose. In other words, he says, young man, you can pack up your truck all you want. Fill your backpack up all you want. All you can fit in it. But only I have the keys to get you where you're really trying to go. And like last week, whenever you're ready, I'm right here. Our money is an opportunity. It's not the bad guy. It's not evil. <laughs> it's a gift. And it's an opportunity to use something that we can't keep to get something that we can never lose. Money's not the bad guy. Money's not the problem. And one of the reasons I think we hate talking about money in church is because we always talk about money like it's the bad guy. And money is bad. And if you have a lot of money, you're really bad. If you don't have money, maybe you're good or maybe it's because you're bad. <laughs> Come on now. We get really weird about this stuff. Let's just be super common sense here for a second. Money's not the problem. Money is actually a solution to a whole lot of problems. Somebody say amen. If you could use 50 bucks. All right, I'll say it. Amen. All of you, see me after. See, now this is where we get weird. We're just going to pass the basket again. No, okay. Money's the solution to a whole lot of problems. It's a solution to your bills. It's the solution to the stuff that you need, like your food, you putting a bed and a roof over your head. It's a solution for the things that you want. It's a solution for a whole lot of things. And money is a great solution if your problem is having an empty belly or no place to lay your head, right? I mean, money is a great solution for those problems. Money isn't the problem. The problem is when we want money to be the solution for problems it can't solve. I'm going to say it again so you can write it down. Heads up. Money isn't the problem. The problem is when we want money to solve problems it can't solve. Money can help you answer what you're gonna eat for lunch. When your belly gets hungry here now or in the next 15 minutes, money is a really good, helpful thing to help you answer what are you gonna eat for lunch, but it can't answer for you, who am I? It can't answer for you, why am I here? And it cannot answer for you, what am I really worth? I live in Broad Ripple. Amen. Love Broad Ripple. Give me a shout down, wife. Come on. It's the first lady, front row. I live in Broad Ripple, and there's some apartment complexes being built right now. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on right now, and I drive by them a lot. And this may sound obvious, but it's interesting as I watch these apartment complexes be built to notice that they use different building materials for different elements of the building. They make the foundation out of different stuff than they make the structure out of. Sounds common sense, but it's common sense because it's true. And money in our lives is supposed to be used as a structural material, not a foundational material. 
So building your life around money, building your life on money is like laying a foundation with drywall. It just can't hold everything you're asking it to hold. And it's not the money's fault. Like Benjamin Franklin did not tell you, build your life on me. Okay, $100, okay. <clears throat> Money's a great solution for money-sized problems, but it's not the answer to your God-sized questions. And this is where we spin our tires. We're asking money to fill God-sized questions instead of just fix money-sized solutions or problems. And the temporary resources you have now are an opportunity to build an eternal, an eternal treasure that you're gonna have forever. This is what Jesus is saying to this guy. You're trying to build your life by all you can do and all you can get. But you can't keep any of it. You need to use it to get what you can't lose. It's all an opportunity. It's not a destination. So what do we do? What do we do every day? Can we get practical here? We can't talk about money and not talk about some ways we can respond. So I wanna give you three practical ways for you to take and figure out how you wanna respond uh, today, this week, and every day. My intention in going through these three things is that they're practical enough that you can do them, but they're not so practical that I'm telling you what to do. Does that make sense? Because you gotta do what you wanna do before God, right? It's called religion when I stand up here and just tell you what to do all the time. Does that work for anybody else? Didn't work for me. And Jesus came to smash it. Because yeah. we're gonna walk with Jesus every day. Ha yeah. <laughs> ha! Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Oh, isn't it good? Jesus is amazing. You don't have to just do what I tell you to do and hope that I like you because I'm the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> you need to walk with Jesus every day. Yeah. And do you. <laughs> Jesus. It's kind of reckless for him to do it that way. It'd be easier if he just told us exactly how to do it so he could get his work done. But he like, loves us and he wants us to walk with him and do things his way and go on the journey and grow up. And all. you know, just, wow. I only put a smile on like 50% of the faces, but that's okay. So how do I follow Jesus every day with my money? Here's how we go. We're gonna get practical here. You might like him, you might not, but it's the best I got for you and I love you. I'm just trying to help. Number one, follow Jesus. Number one, follow Jesus. What's the way to view and use my money? Jesus. What's the truth about money? Jesus. How do I not find my life in my money? Find it in Jesus. First, you gotta get free. Just follow Jesus. It sounds like the churchiest answer because it is, I guess, but it's for real. Because something will sit on the throne of your life. And only Jesus is worthy and able to take that seat. You gotta follow Jesus first. Start there every day. Follow Jesus. Number two, if you don't take charge of your money, your money will take charge of you. You gotta take responsibility over your resource. You can put it this way your resource is your responsibility, nobody else's resource is your responsibility. So you don't need to judge anybody for what they've been given. And you don't need to worry about how that impacts yours. You do you with what God gave you. Your resource is your responsibility. And the only way you're going to be free to manage it well is when you let go of everybody else's. 
That wasn't supposed to be mean, but it felt like it came out mean. <laughs> this one's super practical. We talked about this. Everybody's coming from a different financial situation and everybody's coming from like a different uh, financial education. Depending on the home you grew up in, the school you did or didn't go to, what you did or didn't study. I mean, kind of there's, there's, there's a lot going on when it comes to this kind of thing. But if, if you know the basics on financial management and, and if you know the basics on how to manage your money, then put it into practice every day. If you don't want money to rule it, you rule your money every day. You tell it where to go. Don't let it tell you where to go. So if you know the basics, just do that. And that's a really practical way to be in charge of your money is to just be in charge of it. Put it into practice. If you don't know the basics on how to manage your money, you gotta learn. Because it's still your responsibility. Even if nobody gave you what you need right now, that might be true, but now it's on you. And we've all got to take responsibility for where we are, and we've got to learn. The good news is there's like a bazillion books and classes, and you can have friends to talk it through and help you out. And if you don't know what books or classes or friends to start with, please talk to me, and I'll try to point you towards books and classes and friends because the resources are there to help you manage your resources. They are there. You may not have been given them yet, and if that's the case, then that may put you at a deficit, and that's not necessarily fair, but let's make a change now, Right? We can do it, and we're here to help, and we're all friends here, right? Are we here to help each other on every end? Okay, we can do this. We can do this. We can be in charge instead of it being in charge of us. Because whether you're getting overrun because you're not putting into practice what you know, or you're getting overrun because you don't know what you don't know, you're still getting overrun, and the only way to stop is to run over it. Say, okay, I'm done with this. I'm in charge now. That's all it takes, and then a whole bunch of effort. <laughs> gotcha. Like, uh, Pastor, don't know what he's talking about. No, it's hard. It's hard, but we can do it. Yeah. We can do it because it's better to live free than not. That's good. Like, like we can do this, right? No matter where you are right now, where you've been, where you think you're going, you can do this. You can be in charge. You can do it. Uh, you can do it. Uh, you can do it. Yes. Number three. Live to give. My wife's the only one who said amen because I already told her this point, so she knows where I'm going with it. Everyone else is like, God, there he goes again. Probably gonna talk about the building, aren't we? No, but we could, and I wouldn't feel bad about it. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he, for God so loved the world that he, for God so loved the world that he, so what, do we should, what should we do if we want to look like Jesus? We got to live to give. That's what he did. And we're called Jesus followers. Followed him right up on a cross and follow him right outside the empty grave and follow him right out giving life and love to the people around us. We either got to want to do it or we don't. You got to live to give. Give your life away, Jesus said, and you'll find it. That's what he's telling this guy. I've dug up every, under every rock that says it'll give me life and I still don't have it. What's the last thing I need? You need to get rid of every other rock that you looked at. I'm life. This is a mindset. It's a worldview where you follow in Jesus' footsteps to love the world by giving. And there's a whole bunch of ways to give. Cash check on them. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. 
Gosh, this stuff is so offensive, isn't it? <laughs> There's so many ways to give. I want to talk to you about a few different ways that you can give. One, one way you can give is you can give by saving. Get your attention yet? Give up something now for like some peace later. Give some discipline to your money now so you don't have to suffer under something else that's going to happen, like whatever. Right? Is something going to happen? Amen? Anybody? Anybody notice that something always happens? Or give by saving. Be generous in your saving. Be generous in your saving. Save into college funds for your kids or saving for a house or a special vacation with your spouse or whatever. You want to know what it, you, there's, there's people in here, you're like, I really want to know what it would look like to write uh, four, five, six digit checks to charitable things that I really want to believe in, but I could never get there. Start saving. Because you can. It's not going to write itself, but you can start saving. You can be generous. There's all kinds of things. I mean, Generous with your saving. Number two, you could give by investing. Jesus and the kingdom of God is so into investment, and we totally miss it a lot of times. The kingdom of God is an investment. God puts a seed so there can become a harvest. It's not this investment, the essence. You put in a little bit, and you can get a lot. So God is all about investments. Give to things you want to grow in your life. Give to investments. Give to um, all kinds of things. Why am I drawing a blank? Things you can give to. Give to a business. Give to a business. Give to an adventure. Give to something that you want to grow. Give to a cause. Give to some. Invest in something. When you see God doing something in his kingdom, give into it. Invest into it. Give by investing. Give by spending. Somebody say amen. amen. Give by spending. See, our problem isn't that we spend. We have to spend. We have to spend. Anybody notice this? Like, I have to spend money, you know? But it doesn't mean I'm like the bad guy every time I use money for something that goes to myself. Somebody's like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you, gotta give, you can give by spending. Here's what I mean. Like, give paid bills to yourself. Give paid bills to your family. Give a roof over your head to your family. You're spending money on these bills. Why does this go to? A piece? <laughs> place to live. That's, that counts. Give full bellies to yourself when you're hungry, right? Like give full bellies to friends if you go out to lunch with them, named Andrew Zanaco. <laughs> give full bellies to your kids. Get, do you see what I'm saying? It's a mindset. It's like a worldview. Like I'm, I'm even in my spending, I'm just trying to be generous. How, how is this a gift? God, help me. Give me the faith just to see how is this a gift. I'm giving a job to somebody. I'm giving towards the, I bought this thing and yeah, it looks super unspiritual and maybe I just wanted it, but man, it's providing something for somebody and I'm gonna love God as I walk out this store at least and give God praise. Like, we're getting so tied up. I'm not saying just spend whatever you want, but when you have the mindset of live to give, you take care of all the other weird stuff that's actually just down the river, but you need to start with the source. That probably made sense to not everybody, but... If you needed it, I think you got it. You can even be generous in your spending because it's your mindset, it's your attitude. And lastly, everybody's favorite, give by giving. Give by giving. Because all of these other things, are they're generous and they matter, and I believe it's part of living a giving life is having this attitude and this practice and all these sorts of things, but nothing will kill greed like giving away. Nothing is going to kill your greed like giving money away. 
It's just what it is. And there's, greed is not just like a character trait. Like it is a spirit over us and in our country and in our lives, we're humans, but especially here and now in our lives right now, like there's a spirit that tells you you're never gonna have enough. You're always the one in lack and it's not true. You are made to be an agent of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven gives away. And so if we wanna follow Jesus, if we wanna look like him and if we wanna live our lives free, we've got to give our money away. That has to be part of our lives. I'm not gonna tell you a percentage or an amount or a frequency. I don't care. Do what you've gotta do to live free and love God. It's gonna look different maybe, I don't know. But we've got to give, we've got to give, we've got to give. And I wish I could go on for the next hour of testimonies of when God gave me the opportunity to step on a limb, me and my wife, our family, whatever, said go out on a limb and I went past the limb and he was better than I thought. I wish I could go on for the next hour, like literally nonstop, just off the top of my head, I haven't thought about it, of stories where I wrote a check to give away that was too big, gave it away when I shouldn't have given it away, gave it away when I needed it, just to say, God, really? Are you really gonna be good? Do you really have enough? Am I really not in lack? Am I really gonna be okay? Do you really love me? Are you really close? Are you really loving that person? Are you really giving me an opportunity right now to live a life bigger than just myself? Are you really making a way out of this hole that I'm in? I'm giving, I'm giving, and yes. Every time, yes, Andrew, yes, I am, I am. You can be free. You can be free. You can live free. And part of it is will always be giving resources away. It's got to be part of it because this is where we find life. This is what we got to believe. Jesus isn't just after your money. He's not trying to make you miserable. He's trying to give you the life that your heart really wants. He's saying, young man, you have everything. You're not in lack, but you won't understand it until you give everything away. See, there's this phrase that us Christians like to say, you can't outgive God, praise the Lord. Amen, brother. But we don't say the second half. You'll never understand how true it is until you try. And as your friend, as somebody who loves you, I wanna just say, if you haven't written checks too big that you shouldn't write, if you haven't given away more than you should, I don't think you're really living. Just, I'm, not, I'm just saying, like from experience, like if you haven't tried it, whoa, it is a rush. And it's not comfortable, but man, you'll find God some way or another. Gosh. That's so like not what you're supposed to say in church, but it's true. <laughs> Let's worship. Let's sing a song and get over all this stuff, right? Come on up, band, for real. Let's sing a good song. Jesus wants to help you every day with your money because he wants, you to, help, he wants to help you build your eternal life every day. He wants to help you build your eternal life every day. And I want you to take something from this morning and just sit down with God and say, okay, God, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? What do I throw away? What were you on? What are you speaking about? What are you doing in my life right now? Because we have an opportunity to make decisions with our money every day that will matter for eternity. How cool is that? 
You have the opportunity, no matter how big the numbers are that you think they are. I'm not telling you what to do. I listed off just about everything in life. Everything in life can count because God's like bigger enough for your whole life. I'm starting to sweat because you're staring at me so hard. But I'm just gonna keep preaching because it's true. And I feel the presence of God right now breaking strongholds. He's standing right in front of you and you've got your hands closed on something in your life and he's saying, I can't give you what you have until you let go. I know, the backpack's full, the truck is full, but only I have the keys. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Let me give it to you. Let me give it to you. So all we worship, I want you to go ahead and stand right now. While we worship right now, I just want you to take these moments. There's a song called Build My Life. We're saying, God, I'm gonna build my life on you, Jesus. Now help me walk that out every day. Help me figure out what that looks like every day. Because it's not a system because we gotta figure it out every day because he loves you so much that he doesn't wanna give you a system that you can run with and get away from him. He wants you to walk with him. <laughs> Everybody say, Jesus loves me. <laughs> I just want you to take these moments together to say, God, is there anything in my life? that I need to respond to? Is there any way I need to respond to this this week and follow you into freedom? Is there any step I need to take? Is there anything that I need to do this week that you're trying to bring me into life and I've been missing it or maybe it's just a new opportunity, but God, I trust you right now in this moment. I wanna build my life on you. And so if there's anything that I've got in the wrong spot, please come let me know because I trust you. Can we have that prayer in these final moments together? Jesus, we love you so much. And I thank you that you are leading us into eternal life. You're leading us into eternal treasure. Lord, let us be a kingdom people. Let us be a people who love you, who trust you, who know you, who follow you every day. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into our lives right now. And, and just, and, and with however you need to do it, gently or intensely, however it needs to be, God, just help us take this step right now to open up our hands and receive what it is that only you can give. In Jesus' name.